God has revealed himself in three ways, each time with more information about his nature, character, and plan. That's what we're talking about today on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I'm Steve Schwetz, inviting you to grab your copy of God's Word and turn to Psalm 19. And when you find it, take a minute and put a bookmark in Romans chapter 7, too, as we'll make a quick stop there as well. And while you do that, I want to share a few letters from our fellow passengers on the Bible bus who listen in their native language of Bambara. First, we've got a listener who's a pastor in Mali. I thank you for all the support that these programs bring to my pastoral ministry, he writes. The knowledge I receive is the best spiritual education I have received. God is using this teaching in powerful ways to reach and touch the hearts of my people in my area, especially Muslims. I thank you with all my heart, and I pray that God will bless you. Next, we hear from a woman from the Ivory Coast who says, I am paralyzed and sick. I cannot leave my home to go to church. I listen to the radio all day long. I thank you for the encouragement you give. Although my body deteriorates, because of God's word, my soul lives. And then another listener, this one's from the Ivory Coast. I really struggle with forgiveness and feel lost. Nothing is working despite my efforts, but the Lord has allowed me to listen to your program. May his name be praised in my life and my heart be free. And then our last note comes from Burkina Faso. I am listening to your messages in Revelation, this listener writes. When I heard about the Laodicean church being lukewarm, I was scared because I saw myself. I realized that my heart had become hard and insensitive. I pray that God will forgive and change me. Well, you know, every weekday our World Prayer Team travels the globe praising God and asking Him to change the hearts and lives of listeners like these. Will you join us? If you want to receive our prayer prompts, you can sign up. It's really easy. Just go to ttb.org forward slash pray. Now, let's give this time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessing, blessing your word as it reaches around the world today. We would ask that you would continue to bless this study and direct our thinking as you point out what we personally need to hear and obey. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now it's time for our study in Psalm 19 and 20 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, we're at the 19th Psalm. And today I'm going to read a translation of this that is made by one in whom I have great confidence, and he is well acquainted with the great scholars, the great Hebrew and German scholars who have made a thorough study of the book of Psalms. And every now and then, I'm sure many of you note who follow the text that I deviate from the authorized version and use this one because it actually brings out a meaning that is there in the original that we do not always get. Now, this is a psalm that can be called a great psalm of creation. It has been divided by many scholars into two parts, creation and the revelation of Jehovah in the law, that is, in his word. Well, I have attempted to divide the psalm into three parts. We have the first part, the cosmos, the creation. Then we have the commandments, and that begins with verse 7 and goes down through verse 11. And then verses 12, 13, and 14, here we have Christ. And my feeling is that he has a special place here. And, of course, the subject is redemption and salvation. 
and the grace of God. So what we really have here is the revelation of God in creation, in his commandments, and in Christ, the grace of God. Law and grace and creation, I think, give us a complete revelation of God. That is all that God saw fit to give to man. I do not think he's exhausted all the things he could tell us about himself. Now, in the first part, as we've said, you have God in creation. And then we follow through here with the commandments. It is a psalm of David. It's so called that in the inspired text. And we need to keep that before us. Then we note, actually, there is a division here that is right in the text. The first part of it uses the name for God, which is El, the Mighty One. It's the one used in creation. I think I can remember part of the first verse in Genesis in Hebrew. It's Bereshith, Barah, Elohim. And that's the word, Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. This is his name as the Creator. Then, beginning in the psalm, when we come to the law of the Lord is perfect, verse 7, actually, we have Jehovah there. And you have here Jehovah Suri Goli, Jehovah my rock, my redeemer. So that when you follow through in a psalm like this, you don't need to have two different authors. This psalm no one's attempt to divide it as they've attempted to divide the Pentateuch. And I think if the same common sense and scholarship was used in the Pentateuch, you wouldn't come up with this Eloistic and the Jehovist and Eloist writers of the Pentateuch, because you wouldn't come up with it here. The same writer wrote this, and he used the different names for God. It's well to note that, friends. You know, the Psalms just flood light all the way through the Bible, and I trust bless our hearts and bless our lives. Now, actually, in the first six verses, we have creation. And this has been called a morning psalm again. It's in contrast to the other psalm that we had, the eighth psalm of creation. There we saw the moon and the stars. That's a night psalm. This is a day psalm because it's the sun that's brought before us here. And here we have God's wonderful creation bearing a testimony to him. And will you hear it now in this translation I've referred to? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse maketh known the work of his hands. Day unto day poureth forth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech, there are no words, yet their voice is heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and to the end of the earth their words. In them hath he sent a tent for the sun, and he is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. He rejoiceth as a strong man to run the course. His going forth is from the end of the heavens." and his circuit unto the ends of them. There is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Now, this is a marvelous, very wonderful psalm. The heavens declare the glory of God. Well, this reveals the fact that 
as Paul says in Romans, that the invisible things of him are seen by the things that are made. And they tell out the wisdom of God. They tell out the power of God. And they tell out, I think, something of the plan and purpose of God. And that is the purpose of creation. And actually, the thing that man has come to the conclusion, apparently, from the very beginning is that creation is the primitive witness of God to man as creature. And they just think of God the Father. He had all the creeds of the church, including the Apostles' Creed, ascribe creation exclusively to God the Father. But when you come to the New Testament and there's an amplification even of creation, you find out that that is not exactly accurate. The Apostles' Creed says, I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. Well, somebody says, isn't that accurate? It is as far as it goes. But the Trinity was involved in the creation of the earth. In fact, that word Elohim is a plural word in the Hebrew, and it speaks of the Trinity. And we are told that the Lord Jesus was the agent of creation, and the Holy Spirit came in and refurbished, revamped, redecorated this. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep after a great catastrophe came in. And we're told in John, another beginning, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're told again in Colossians 1, 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So that we have the fact here of the creation and the Lord Jesus was the agent. It's the same thing you have in the first chapter of Ephesians in our redemption. God the Father planned it. God the Son paid for it. And God the Holy Spirit protects it. And I think that applies to God's creation today, that God the Father is the one who planned this universe. God the Son, he executed it. And he is the one that redeemed it because the whole creation is groaning and it's to be redeemed. And then we have God the Holy Spirit moving, brooding over this creation today. And may I add this, that the Son is so prominent here, as you saw. He says, a bridegroom coming out. I was in Jerusalem, and every morning we could see the sun come up as it came up over the side of the Mount of Olives. What a thrill! And you'd see the light breaking on Jerusalem, the walls of the city, the high places first, up where David's grave is up at Mount Zion. Then we'd see it touching the top of the buildings, then the walls of Jerusalem, then the temple area. What a thrill! And that's a picture of another bridegroom, by the way, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the bridegroom. And he's coming someday in glory to this earth, coming as the Son of Righteousness to this earth. But before he comes... He's going to take his church out into the church. He's the bright and morning star. And a bright morning star always appears before the sunrise. 
What a picture we have here in creation. Nothing quite like it. And we find here this wonderful, wonderful psalm. We have a picture of creation. Now there's something else as we move down in the psalm. Let me come to verse 7 here in it, and we'll move down in the psalm from there. And I'm reading again from this translation. The law of Jehovah is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of Jehovah is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of Jehovah are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of Jehovah is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of Jehovah is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Jehovah are truth. They're altogether righteous, more to be desired than gold, than much fine gold, and sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. What a picture that you have here of this. And now notice this next. By them thy servant is warned. In keeping them the reward is great. Now, that brings us to the conclusion of this section here, the second section, the commandments. And you notice the thing that it says about them, that they are perfect. Believe me, they're perfect. The reason the law can't save you and me is because it's perfect and we are not. We can't measure up to it. And there's nothing wrong with the law. My, the law is quite wonderful. And we're told that, even Paul who sets forth the grace of God in such a wonderful way. He makes it very clear when you come over to the epistle to the Romans, and I think probably I should turn there and share two or three verses with you. Let me begin reading at verse 12 here. Here's what he says about the law. Wherefore, the law is holy, the commandment holy, and just and good was then that which is good made death unto me. God forbid but sin, that it might appear sin, worketh death in me by that which is good. That sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. Nothing wrong with the law. It is spiritual. But it's a ministration of death to us because there's something radically wrong with us. The law is given to show us that we are sinners before God. And so the law here, notice what it says. It's perfect. And the second thing, it's sure. My friend, don't bank on God changing to the new morality or that God is reading some of the new views of psychology or that God is listening to the decisions that some judges are handing down. God's going to punish sin. He says he is. And the testimony of the Lord, sure. Just as sure as you are right where you are right now, the judgment is coming. The commandments reveal that. And then we're told the statutes of the Lord, they're right. Now, somebody says they don't like certain of the commandments. Well, maybe you don't like them. God does. They're right. And what makes them right? I was in a class in sociology years ago, and that was years ago, by the way, when I was in college. And the professor was always saying, and I didn't have the answer then, he's always saying, who's going to determine what's right? How do you know this is right? Well, it's right because God says it's right. The statutes of the Lord, they're right. They're right because he says, this is his universe. He made it. He makes the rules. Now, maybe you don't like the law of gravitation, but I advise you not to fool with it. That is, if you go on top of a 10-story building, don't step off. 
because he won't suspend it for you. It operates for all. The statutes of the Lord, they're right and they're pure, friends. I tell you, they're pure. They will do something for you. They'll ennoble you, lift you up, and the fear of the Lord. Now, we're told here in this new Schofield reference Bible that it's reverential trust. I'll buy that because I have to with these brethren that made it. But I do want to say this. I still believe it's fear. (laughs) And I want to tell you, we'll do well to fear God, my friend. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I love my dad, but I sure was afraid of him. And you know, that kept me in line. I think that's what kept me out of jail was my dad. I tell you, I knew when I did wrong, there'd be trouble. And there was no way around the fear of the Lord. It's clean. It'll clean you up. Made me a better boy. And even that, I got in trouble all the time. But I had fear of my dad. And that didn't mean I didn't love him. And then we're told the ordinances of the Lord, they're true. You want to know what truth is? Pilate wanting to know. He says, what's truth? Truth is standing right in front of him in the person of Jesus Christ and righteous. God, whatever he does is right. Oh, this is a tremendous section here. And we ought to learn to love the Word of God, all of it. There are some folk, several have written me, they think I'm opposed to the Ten Commandments. Why? Ten Commandments are wonderful. I'm not opposed to them. I'm opposed to Vernon McGee. He can't keep them. Now, maybe you can. If you can keep them, then you can ask God to move over. And you'll just sit right by the side of him because you're going to make it on your own. But he says you won't. And I agree with him. And he told me I wouldn't make it on my own. And I agree with him. And I have to come as a sinner to him. Therefore, that brings us to this last, the grace of God in Christ. Who can understand his errors? Who can? I subterfuge a great deal. You use subterfuge. I rationalize. My wife says I rationalize everything. I'm pretty good at that, by the way. I can give you excuses, but God won't accept them. God says that you can't understand your errors. Just take his word for it that you're a sinner. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. That's the problem today. A great many people, they think they're not sinners. And he says, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. What is that great transgression? I'll tell you what that great transgression is. That's to reject Jesus Christ, the one that is set before us. Now listen to him. This is a verse you hear many times in prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable In thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Who is my strength? Christ. Who's my Redeemer? Christ. And he becomes that through the grace of God. What a wonderful psalm. That brings us now to the 20th psalm. And the 20th psalm is not classed as one of the Messianic psalms, but I've labeled it a messianic psalm because it's going to talk about him. And it's another wonderful prophecy of the Messiah and his work of redemption. I think it's very closely linked with the two psalms, in fact, the psalms that are going to follow now. And these psalms were used in Israel, I think, in a liturgical way. 
And they were sung together, all of these through here. And some think they were chanted alternately by the leaders of worship, the Levites, by the assembled worshipers. That is, it would be antiphonal. And this very wonderful psalm here, Bishop Horn has stated it like this. And this is a great prayer, this psalm. The church prayeth for the prosperity of the King Messiah, going forth to battle as her champion and deliverer for his acceptance by the Father and for the accomplishment of his will. Now, Bishop Horn would have hit the nail right on the head if instead of saying the church, he'd have said Israel or the remnant of Israel, because this is a psalm that really has to do with Israel. Notice how it begins, and it's a psalm that tells out the grace of God to the Lord, hear thee in the day of trouble. That's when we want him to hear us, isn't it? And the name of the God of Jacob defend thee. And how did old Jacob get in? By the grace of God. And God never was ashamed to be called a God of Jacob. I'd have been ashamed of him. Maybe you would. God was not. But God saved him by grace. And already the name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary. What sanctuary? Your church? No. The sanctuary is young in Jerusalem, friends. That's where it was. And strengthen thee out of Zion. Now, maybe you aren't thinking of Zion, Illinois, and maybe Zion up in Utah. But that just is not the Zion that's mentioned here. And it's not your church or my church or anybody else's. Zion is Zion. I don't think anything could be clearer. You've got to be a theologian to miss this. It's so clear here. And how wonderful it is. Remember all thy offerings, and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. This is wonderful. In the day of trouble that Israel will go through in the future, the church today, and individual Christians, Selah. We said that means stop, look, and listen. There's something for you to meditate on, something to think about in these days when there's so much of trouble. And it has a meaning, therefore, for us today, you see, a very wonderful meaning. And then as we move on down in this little psalm here, he says, Grant thee according to thine own heart, and fulfill all thy counsel. How wonderful it is here. We will rejoice in thy salvation. In the name of our God, we'll set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now, he's going to hear the prayer of the Lord Jesus. Remember, he said that when he was here, that he always hears his prayer, always hears it. And he's the only one that he hears and answers, I think, all of them. And here we have this wonderful psalm, and here at the end, verse 9, Save, Lord, let the king hear us when we call. And the king is for Israel. He's our Savior today, and we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior today. And this is a Hosanna, Jehovah, save, save, Lord, save Jehovah, Hosanna. This is a great Hosanna psalm. May God make it real to our hearts and give us a song today in our hearts. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Yes. Let's pray that this Hosanna psalm echoes in our hearts as we go about our task today. 
If you missed a message in these wonderful series, why don't you visit ttb.org where they're available for you to listen to or download anytime. Or to purchase Dr. McGee's complete five-year study on our Bible Bus flash drive, you can visit the resources section at ttb.org or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now, there's quite a bit more ground to cover in the book of Psalms. So if you don't yet have Dr. McGee's notes and outlines for our study of Psalms, you can download them by individual book by going to ttb.org forward slash notes or get the notes and outlines for all 66 books in one resource that we call Briefing the Bible. That's what I do. To get your copy of Briefing the Bible, you can download the digital book or request an abridged paperback copy at ttb.org forward slash briefing. And if you want it in the Kindle format, you can find that there as well. You can also reach us by mail by writing to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Now, although Jesus finished his work on the cross and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, it doesn't mean that he's finished with all his work. We'll find out more about that tomorrow as we continue to make our way through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, grateful for your company on the Bible bus and your partnership in taking God's whole word to his whole world. Through the Bible exists to take God's whole word to the whole world. And we invite you to stand with us with your faithful prayer and financial support. Where will God's word go today?